Third attempt. Are you ready? All right, lads and nusses, and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's original, best, favourite, dedicated Newcastle United podcast. And if you don't believe us, well, I don't really blame you because we've done no fact-checking on that whatsoever. Um, today, we're going to be going through the disappointing, but perhaps not that disappointing, defeat to Liverpool at Anfield. It was 3-1 at the end. And joining me today to talk through that is Craig up in Sweaty Ken's slash the Keyside. How are you going, Craig? Hi, Harry. Hi. Um, another long day at work, but it's uh, the weekend now, thank God. And uh, thank goodness for Econ, eh? Econ, aye. For people in England, Econ's that thing that makes you cooler, which is probably a bit of a foreign concept, especially in winter. All right, so we're going to get straight into the review of the game. Uh, just Craig and I today, everyone else is either getting shit-faced or is already on holidays. So, yeah, Craig and I are going to talk you through the game. We'll do that right after this. So, 3-1 defeat to Liverpool. Uh, not nearly as bad as we probably all thought it was going to be, especially after that 4-0 against Leicester. Um, but ultimately, of course, still nil point. Um, so... Craig and I are going to talk through the first and second half action. I'm going to start, as always, with the teams. So, Newcastle, Dubravka uh, in goal, Manquillo, Shaw, Lascelles, Lewis, who was replaced by Richie just on 15 minutes, uh, Murphy, Hayden, Shelby, Fraser, who was replaced by Willock on 87, St. Maximin, who was replaced by Wilson on 79, and Joe Linton. And for Liverpool, it was Allison in goal, Alexander Arnold. Matip Conati? Conte? Conati? Conati? Conati, yeah. We'll go him. Thiago, replaced by Milner on 90. I hate names. I'm useless with names. Robertson, Henderson, Oxley Chamberlain, replaced by Keita on 74. And Salah, replaced by Firmino on 74 as well. Jota and Mane. The referee was Mike fucking Dean from the Wirral. But, you know, that's purely irrelevant. Purely irrelevant? That's irrelevant. All right, so Craigie. Let's talk about that Newcastle team first of all. Um, anything standing out there about that team? Was it as expected? What do you reckon? Uh, it was. There were a few changes, which kind of strange to be honest. No dedicated striker. Uh, just literally hoofing up to uh, Allen and see what can happen. Uh, and maybe the return of Frazier for Almiron. Um, but to be honest, that kind of worked. Uh, but not an expected change. Um, I would have made anyway. But yeah, it was uh, five across the back, I think, tight in midfield and just, I wouldn't even say Alan and Maxman was a lone striker. I think he just played a more of an attacking midfielder rather than anything, to be honest. They're like a, a five and a five across the middle. Yeah, when I saw that team come out, um, the first thing I thought of was it was, it, it felt like very much a, a Rafa setup. It seemed mm -hmm. to me that it was going to be a case of sitting back, trying to hit them on the break. Quite unusual not to have an actual recognised striker in that lineup, would you say? Yeah. I mean, it's Joe Linton, but yeah, let's not talk too much about him and us being a striker. But So apart from him, the other noticeable, noticeable inclusion, I thought, was uh, Hayden. I've been banging the drum for Hayden to be in the midfield for a while now. Um, and it was good to see him back, I thought. And as you say, yeah. Fraser. Um, I do like Fraser. He's As we've said before, he's about the only guy who can actually reliably cross the ball from the wings. So yeah, otherwise, I suppose the back line basically picks itself. And then we'll get into that Lewis Richie swap 
soon. But uh, yeah, anything else about that lineup? Anything from Liverpool? Yeah. Um, obviously, the omission of uh, Van Dijk was the big one. Potential COVID case to Liverpool, but we'll touch on that later on. Yeah, there's going to be a few words said about the COVID situation, I think. Um, all right, so normally what I do on these podcasts is I'll go through all the main kind of events during the game, but today I'm just going to go through essentially the goals and maybe just one or two other little comments along the way. So on seven minutes, lots of pressure by Liverpool up to this point. It was mostly Liverpool, really. Um, Newcastle managed to break from the box uh, via Fraser, and he was right in the middle, really, and he was running up the pitch, and he passed to the wing where Alan Maximan was lurking. He managed to hold the ball long enough for Fraser to overlap. Maxi passed the ball to Fraser further up the wing. And Fraser actually I've just picked him up as being a reliable crosser, but he kind of squared it to nobody in the middle. There was like literally nobody there. I think he didn't even bother looking. So it kind of looked on the face of it like being a really shit cross to, you know, Liverpool basically. Well, in fact, it was a good cross to Liverpool. It was just a terrible cross to Newcastle because there was nobody there. But surprisingly, Liverpool cleared it, but almost Newcastle-esque by just sort of squaring it straight to an opposition player. In this case, it was John Joe Shelby. And he took a, a touch just to kind of set himself and then launched this beautiful strike into the Allison's right-hand corner. And Allison was basically just stood there completely static. I actually think he might have thought he was going to kick it into the left-hand side, but uh, Shelby walked it into the right-hand side. You know, it was a great strike. He was actually under a bit of pressure, was John Joe by Jordan Henderson, but he was... Too slow, typical, couldn't get anywhere near the ball. And it uh, went into the back of the net. And obviously, Shelby legs it to the way fans at the other side of the pitch, does his old binocular hand things. Didn't smile. He never, he just never seems to smile, does he? But uh, nice goal. And on seven minutes, and who'd have thought it was us taking the lead? What do you reckon, Craig? Totally against runner play. Totally unexpected. I didn't even expect when I get many shots on target, to be honest, that little skull. Um, but you're right about the finish. It was more of a pass in the back of the net rather than a shot, from what I remember, to be honest. But yeah, it was fantastic. Becker rooted to the spot. He was never going to get anywhere near it, even if he did die for it. Well taken, well executed. And he took his time over as well. He didn't panic and try to hit it first time, which was good to see. We'll get on to the point of shots on target because it wasn't actually that great at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, lovely strike. Very unexpected, very welcome. Um, kind of knew that it was just the beginning. Did you get that feeling where you thought, oh, brilliant, we've scored a goal, but uh-oh. Here comes Liverpool, you know what I mean? Like sort of kicking the hornet's nest. Did you have that kind of yeah. feeling? That's definitely what I thought. I think if anything, we scored too early because it just made them step up that gear that little bit earlier as well. I think if uh, maybe half-time, nil-nil or anything like that, if given the opportunity, I probably would have taken that. I know it sounds daft, but when you invite somebody like Liverpool to step up that gear, go in the second, third and fourth, then they are just going to absolutely run rings around you. And when your team can be as poor as ours is, uh, then it's frightening to watch how good they can be. Yeah, and th- this wasn't even a on-form Liverpool. I didn't feel like they were particularly um, incisive with their passing. They had a lot of opportunities at goal that went wayward when normally you'd probably think they were going to stick that in the back of the net. So, you know, it kind of felt at times like this was a good opportunity to um, do something against them but yeah in the end it didn't work out that way so that was a goal seven minutes one nil to newcastle everyone's happy uh 15 minutes maybe this was a turning point uh, lewis goes down with what looked like a hamstring injury mm-hmm. now he hasn't played that many games has he i mean what's this maybe the third game i think that he's been involved with 
Yeah, I think you're right, huh? Yeah. And uh, obviously, he's starting. Um, he's getting a lot of pressure straight off the bat. And uh, yeah, he's pulled up with a hammy and he's gone straight off on 15. And he was replaced by our favorite left back, Matt Ritchie. Any thoughts on that uh, injury also? Um, the injury, apparently, it's quite bad, according to Eddie Howe's early uh, impression. Um, very disappointed and gutted for uh, Lewis because he's been solid since he came in. And mm. when I seen Richie's uh, on the touchline and his number came up on that board, I thought, oh, here we go. It's going to be another one of those games. But in fairness to Richie, he kind of held his own. I can't really fault him for any of the goals we conceded. Uh, but yeah, he was a moment of dread and terror, uh, as we know how shocking he's been in that position. But it's no fault of his own because it's not his natural, is it? Oh, it certainly isn't. And uh, I think I would agree with you, actually. Actually, various times during the, the game after that point, um, I kind of thought to myself, oh, that was all right by Richie. I don't know if it was just the way Liverpool were playing or if maybe he's, you know, he's had a kick up the arse or the training's starting to kick in a little bit with a manager who knows him inside out. Don't know, but he seemed to do all right this game uh, without being, you know, spectacular ending. But that's a, that's a huge concern, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've spoken before on the podcast about the need for a genuine left-back in the left-back position. We've lambasted Richie, not because of anything he's done particularly, but because he's been put into a position that isn't his natural position and he's doing the best he can. And now we've just started to get used, I think, to the idea of having an actual left-back in the left-back position. We had a right-back in the right-back position with Manquillo. It started to feel a little bit like a proper balanced back four, if you like, to me. Mm -hmm. And three games after he's kind of been introduced into the squad again, uh, he goes off injured. I hope that isn't going to be as bad as you're making it out to be because we do need a proper left back. Um, I don't think we can rely on Richie to do a job there. Continuing on. So 20th minute, uh, we find Hayden on the floor in front of the goal and he's holding his head. And he's actually collided with Shah. I think Shah bundled it in the back of him, if I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly. But anyway, they came together. They both went down. Shah took a couple of attempts to get back to his feet. Hayden stayed down. Play continues. There was absolutely no call from uh, Mike Dean to do, to, to do anything about the situation. Um, so you have you know, 21 players all huddled around Hayden on the floor here. It's all in our box. Uh, the cross comes in. And um, the shot's taken a goal, which is well saved, actually. It was point blank, and Dubravka managed to palm it out about as best as he could, given the distance and the time he had to react. Uh, but then it's also, it, it, then it's bundled in straight afterwards, and it, it's 1 1. Yeah, I mean, this was like the first real instance of what is going on here. Um, we all know Mike Dean is, is, is about Mike Dean. It's, it's always the Mike Dean show. On this occasion, if you watch the replay he actually the referee he actually when the ball comes out from the defense and sort of it actually goes into the center of defense first or sort of on the edge of the box and then it gets spread out wide at that point he kind of looks away and starts thinking the ball is going to go up halfway or something this is mike dean and then he eventually sort of looks back again towards the goal but not until he's actually looked at the corner first and then he kind of glances across he can't miss the fact that hayden's on his ass He's holding his head. It's quite clearly holding his head. I think I heard afterwards that Dean thought he was holding his back. Like, I don't know how you get the confusion between a back and a head. Maybe he had some funny angle. But just before I get your opinion on that uh, incident, Craig, Eddie Howe afterwards said that I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There is a lot of talk at the moment about head injuries. 
And I felt that was a wrong decision. I mean, of course there is. There's all kinds of talks right now about concussion and the like. They need to really pounce upon these in- incidents early, get treatment fast, get players taken to the hospital if they need it, because concussion is one of those things that doesn't necessarily set in straight away. Um, at halftime, Chris Foy, the ex-referee, opined that in his in his experience, that player should have been stopped. But he also acknowledged that Mike Dean didn't see it until late. And so he really put the, the onus on the linesman who didn't flag for it. But he's but Chris Foy reckons the linesman should have been the one calling that incident. So over to you, Craig. What do you uh, what did you make of that? Um, I'm all for uh, referees making mistakes. That's fine. Only human at the end of the day. But with Mike Dean, he's had good two, three, four, maybe even four chances to see Hayden on the floor. He can clearly see he's holding his head, like you said. There's no way he can confuse that with his back, regardless of the angle he's in. Just off the position of what his hands would be in for a kickoff. That's the crazy thing with me. And even when it goes to V on V apparently did check it. They couldn't see any obvious... Uh, sign for the game to be stopped. So I don't know what to put the jail was saying either. It was just one of those things where you just knew from that moment things were going to go against us. It was just a horrific bit of refereeing. We've seen a similar thing in the, the West Ham game, which I'll touch on later on. But it's just Mike Dean being Mike Dean, like you said. It's about his ego making him stand out. And it was just another horrible, horrible decision. I guarantee if that had been up the other end of the pitch, it was a Liverpool defender down. The whistle would have went straight away. No, I think there's little doubt about that. Kind of venturing into tin hat territory again, which you don't really want to do as a as a fan. You really, well, I think anyway, fans should try to be as level-headed as they possibly can. But my God, the evidence is starting to mount, isn't it? It really is, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, so that was 1-1. I mean, all the, all the players were going nuts, you know? And as you say, the VAR just looked at it and sort of shrugged. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's probably fine, yeah. Suck mm-hmm. it up. Anyway, all right, moving on. So 1-1, one, one, that was 20 minutes. What I noticed straight away after that, actually, and I said this in the last potty as well, when it was the Leicester away, the, the away fans were brilliant. All you oh, could hear after that goal went in was the away fans singing away. It was bloody brilliant. They've been sensational this this season, mm-hmm. especially considering how bad the results have been. Um, so on 25, so that was 20 minutes when the goal went in. Just f- five minutes later, Shelby does this no-look, lazy back pass towards Dubravka. Uh, it's pounced on by Mane. He's under pressure, but he, he gets to it first. Manages to get a shot away. He's kind of falling over at the same time. It's it's saved by Dubravka, um, but the, the rebound just falls really kindly to um, Salah, who kind of kicks it straight into the goal, and you know he doesn't miss those kind of goals. Now, I say he was under pressure. If, if that ball hadn't have gone in, there probably would have been a legit call for a penalty anyway. Sharp yeah. essentially cut down Mane as he was taking that kick. Um, I mean, if it was Newcastle, it would never have been a penalty, obviously, but um, tinfoil hat. But <laughs> as it was, Mike Dean let the player go. Liverpool scored 2-1. Yeah. Um, if he, yeah, absolutely right. If Salah hadn't scored, penalty would have been given. And could you even argue that Shaw could have been off with last man back? Mm-hmm. There's definitely a possibility. But yeah, again, it was just Shelby done a Similar thing against Leicester, where he just didn't think first about what he's doing. And he's just made a rash decision, passed it back, and cost were the goal, which ultimately changed the game, unfortunately. Yeah, it was one of those no-look kind of back passes that actually the Leicester defender did, didn't he? And he almost mm-hmm. crushed Michael out. But on that yeah. occasion, Michael was able to get back and 
stop the ball going over the line. In this case, it obviously resulted resulted in a goal. And that's a shame as well because Shelby was all right up to this point. I think he, he'd obviously scored mm-hmm. the goal as well. So that was really disappointing. So we'd gone from 1-0 up and now it was 2-1 down and that's on 25 minutes. And really, for the rest of the first half, it was kind of mainly Liverpool. It, there was the odd breakaway from us that eventually ultimately came to nothing. You know, goalkeeper saves and so on. But uh, nothing else came of, of the rest of that half. It ended the first half 2-1 to Liverpool. There was a... <laughs> It was an occasion when uh, Salah misses what looked like a fairly easy chance for him. And uh, I just mentioned the away fans before. And they started chanting, you're just a shit Joel Linton, shit Joel Linton. And, and he'd already scored a goal by this point, so he's already better than Joel Linton. But um, yeah, that made me laugh. Yeah, so anyway, half time, 2-1. Pretty much right now, look, I think you'd have to say we've already got an injury to Lewis. Started off well, didn't end that great, did it? No. Start the second half. I mean, you what again, typical pressure from Liverpool looking to kill a game off early as well, which is what they're very, very good at. I think I heard a stat in the game. Um, every time they went in at half time uh with the lead for the last however many games, I think it was hundred plus games, they've never lost from that position or even mm. uh, lost points from that position. The last person to do it, I think, was Eddie Howe when he was Bournemouth manager. Um, when they came out four three winners, apparently. So that's how long ago that was. But yeah, it's Liverpool do what Liverpool do best. That is, you know, whether playing games with uh, the referee, whether they're um, taking sly little digs at our players and just getting them down, taking cheap little shots. That's why they are where they are on the table and we are where we are. And on top of that, when the hell was the last time we beat them at Anfield? 94-95. Well, there you go. Jesus Christ. It's been a long time. All right, so moving on to the second half. 2-1 Liverpool. Um, there was quite a few chances for both sides, really. I mean, there was, well, I say chances, goal-mouth action. It was still mainly Liverpool dominating, uh, having most of the good chances, really. A good number of saves by Dubravka. Some easier than others. Some one or two they did for the TV. Uh, Shelby misses a narrow free kick. But really, it's kind of back and forwards, back and forwards, uh, until the 79th minute when Maxi signals to the bench that he needs to come off. So we've already lost Lewis in the first half. St. Maximin's been our only outlet, really, of any kind of note. And with his trickery and his pace, you know, he's, he's up there to give other people time to get up with him, make something happen, essentially. And here he is pulling up. I didn't actually see what caused him to come off. I didn't see what the incident was. He was doing a lot of running. He was doing a lot of jumping. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pulled something. And truth be told, he'd already been struggling up to this point for a few minutes. And it even took a few minutes after that point to um, to get Wilson on in, in his place. Did you hear anything about that injury yourself, Craig? And if it's serious, what what a, what a blow that's going to be to us. I think it was just a dead leg, to be honest. Um, he walked off with a little bit of a limp. He was jogging as he went off, so it can't be that serious. So hopefully he's just needing a little bit of a rest over uh, the next 24 hours or so. Maybe starting on the bench against Man City if there's a little bit of soreness there still. Um, maybe that's a good way to get him in once they start to bring him on. But yeah, I think he'd be fine for uh, the City game. All right. That's a relief. I haven't actually seen anything about that afterwards. Uh, so that's really good to hear. Okay. So again, back and forwards, back and forwards, goal mouth action here and there until the 87th minute. Um, the ball comes to Alexander Arnold. He's about 25 yards out from goal. So I think he was on the right-hand side of our box. And he lashes this shot, which just kind of keeps on going, doesn't it? It belts past everybody straight into the top corner. Debraffer actually managed to get a, a few fingers to it. 
which is mm -hmm. impressive since he started at the other side of the goal and um, that ball was moving. Yeah, so it becomes 3-1 on 87. And I don't suppose you could really complain about that as a scoreline, given how much dominance Liverpool had through the whole game. But of note of that particular goal that I just want to call out, it's again the Mike Dean show. He loves it. If you watch the replay, he runs in front of Alexander-Arnold as he's winding up his leg to kick the ball. Shelby's on the other side of Dean, so he essentially gets blindsided by the ref, does Shelby. I'm not exactly sure why he made that run, the referee. I assume it's because he thought... Alexander-Arnold was going to kick it to the other side of the goal. So he thought, I better get out of the way. But if that's the case, why didn't he just backtrack? He could have just, you know, went backwards. Instead, he chooses to run right in front of the only guy in front of Alexander-Arnold, which is Shelby. I'll show you a picture in a minute, but my God, that was a weird decision by the by the referee again. Um, let me just get that picture up. So here it is. Here's Shelby. He's doing his best to look around the back of Mike Dean, who's off on his daily jog. Oh. Uh, there's Alexander-Arnold. Essentially, about to plant his left foot and give it an almighty crack. So, what do you reckon of that build up to that goal, the goal itself, and whatever that fuckwit referee is doing? First of all, the goal itself was you're not going to hit a ball sweeter than that, to be honest. Uh, if anything, if the net wasn't there, it's probably still traveling now. Um, that thing was hit brilliantly. You're not going to like say get a better connection than that. De Bracco was so close to saving it, like you say, he got fingertips on it. Um, at first, I thought he had actually stopped it. Very disappointed for him because I thought he'd done really well like, just to get across. But again, fucking Mike Dean. Um, the man's an absolute tit. How he can be considered a, a top Premier League referee, one of the best referees in the world, apparently. How that's even considered, I do not know. The managing directors of uh, the, the referees or whatever it is it's called, they need to take a look at this game and realise exactly what he's done. He's not necessarily cost with the three points. But he's definitely got some decisions that have went against us, which should never have even been considered uh, in that aspect. I don't think it would have made much change to the overall decision, maybe, possibly the first goal. But that one there, I, I just don't get his method of thinking, like you said. He's got a perfectly good sight of Alexander-Arnold. He's in line with the goal. There is nothing he can physically do to improve his visibility of what's going on. Yet he cuts in front of the ball when he should, if anything, maybe be behind it still, just as yeah. he's seen what, whatever's going on. Like you see, blindside Shelby. Shelby can't get to him. He can't get around him. And it's probably, if anything, blindsided uh, Dubravka a little bit more, preventing him from getting that mm -hmm. little bit more of a palm onto it, which could potentially have saved the ball from going to the back of the net. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Looking at that picture, I actually thought Dubravka was further across the goal, but he's not. He's right in the middle, looking at the way the, the top of that net dips there. And yeah, so... The ball travels to the left of this picture. I mean, people at home can't really see what we're talking about here but on the podcasts, but um, you've got Alexander-Arnold. He's about to kick the ball. You've got the full face of the, the goal behind him. You've got Mike Bloody Dean off his morning jog in, in between uh, Alexander-Arnold and Shelby. And then right in the, in, at the back there inside the goal is Dubravka. So it's, it's almost a straight line of players. You can see Shelby's trying to look behind Mike Dean. He's like, Oh, where, Mike? What the fuck are you doing? And so Mike Dean's in this picture is running to the left. The ball is eventually kicked to the left. And Dubravka, at this point, can just about see, but you can't see where the foot is. You can't see, you probably can't even see where the ball is, really. And of course, Mike Dean's trajectory is going to continue in the way of the way the ball's kicked. So you'd have to think that there was even just a passing obstruction from the referee for this goal. He's already balls it up with the first goal. And he's he's done this for the for the third goal. You say that it might not have made a difference, but 
goals change games, you know? Liverpool could have had one of those days where nothing they did went in. They certainly had plenty of chances where they were kicking it wide and over the top and, you know, we were defending for our lives. It could have been one of those games where we just dug out a draw. Um, it, you know, it could have went 1-1 and it could have been a draw. These incidents change games. and I mean, to see this kind of setup with the referee right in the middle, you know, being an absolute frigging tit, uh, you have to raise an eyebrow and think, what are you doing here, mate? I know you live on the Wirral, but this is like, this is in your face. This this is, even the Italians would blush at this. Hmm. All right, I guess that's enough of that. So, so that was on 87. It's now 3-1 to Liverpool. And uh, the rest of the game is basically seen out. That was about four minutes extra time. And Liverpool secure their 2,000th top flight victory, courtesy, of course, of the ever-generous Newcastle United. Oh, well, like they gave a Christmas, don't we? Oh, do we not? Any any record that you want broken, get the tune in town, and you're set. It happens every time. Unbelievable. All right, so 3-1, final score. Final stats. So for possession, it was 74 to Liverpool and 26% to Newcastle. Not a great deal of surprise there. Shots, 23 from Liverpool and 5 from Newcastle. Of those, 8 were on target for Liverpool and 3 were on target for Newcastle. So at least our percentage on target was better. I think we get a point for that. Uh, there was 11 corners to nil in Liverpool's favour. We had zero corners. Zero con- these stats are from the BBC, so I'm literally just quoting what the BBC is saying. Uh, yeah. Um, and fouls, nine to Liverpool and four to us. And that's how it ended. So, uh, this might be a little bit tricky. Man of the match, what do you reckon, Craig? Uh, well, for Liverpool, it's got to be McBean. Yep. Um, for us, in game, maybe what, third, fourth game in a row, Joe Linton, because he just chased everything down. There was, at one point, I think it was like, uh, just before uh, Alexander scored his uh, his goal, he was chasing down I, I, Oxley Chamberlain. He was chasing him down. Uh, you can tell he was absolutely gassed because he's been running all across every blade of the pitch again. Mm. But he's, he just gets in front of the player. He prevents the cross from getting in. And he just doesn't give up on 90 minutes. It's as if he's just managed to borrow uh, an extra pair of lungs from somewhere and just keep going. I uh, can't fault the man lately. Just wish he had a bit more of a goal scoring threat in him. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, I kind of feel like he might have faded a little bit uh, in the second half, but, uh, you know, it was a tough game. There was a lot of defending involved, and that's not really his forte in the first place. No. I think for me, Fraser looked pretty good at times. He gives us that out on the wing. He set up the whole first goal, even though his cross was shit. But you have to be in those positions. You have to make those runs. You have to, you know... You have to make things happen, don't you? So yeah. if it wasn't for him and his, his endeavours in that particular moment, we probably wouldn't have got that goal. I thought Maxi did an awful lot of running. He had a great chance one-on-one with um, Alisson, if you remember. Uh, you know, he was, he was visibly de- devastated afterwards when he kind of just kicked it across Alisson, but Alisson kind of easily saved it. But Maxi's there with his head in his hands, it's over his face, you know. It's like he's just killed someone or something. Probably should have done better in fairness. I um, do think on that goal, on that shot, I think uh, Alan thought he'd scored and he was celebrating before he even took the shot. Yeah, that would probably explain why he was so pissed at the end when he realised it, it had been saved. Yeah. But I think probably I'll give it to Dubravka uh, on this occasion. He did a lot of nice saves. Uh, he was commanding pretty much at the back. Uh, it's not usually a good sign when you pick the keeper as your best player of the game. You know, that's kind of a reflection of just how the game went, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to him. He didn't flap the ball into 
too many people's feet. Uh, if you've been listening along to this podcast before, uh, yeah, he does like to kind of punch or flap the ball into danger areas. And he didn't do that too much. He did palm out one goal that ended up at Salah's feet, but there's not much else he could do at that point. So I'm going to give it to Bravica. Um, he'll be thrilled with that news, I'm sure. Ooh. So let's get the table up. So there's the table. Newcastle still firmly rooted in second bottom on 10 points. One solitary green W box there in between three losses in a draw. Our goal difference is minus 19. Uh, second worst in the league. That looks at things. Leeds getting humped 7 0 the other day has kind of brought them into it a little bit with the goal difference and the points. And we still remain four points from safety. Uh, what do you reckon of that table? Where do you see the opportunities, especially given that we've got two games coming up against really tough opposition with both Manchester teams, Craig, and also that Burnley have now two games in hand? The games for Burnley in hand don't bother me because we're going to play those games regardless anyway. Yeah, I think they're, uh, the games are against Man United and I can't remember the other ones. But they will have to play those games anyway, so it makes no difference when they play them. So that's not really an impact. Yeah, um, we've got to look at our own games rather than everybody else's. Uh, obviously, if the a gap starts forming, then it's again squeaky bum time. We're only one game off, bar a few goals as well, from getting out of the bottom three. It's still very, very close. The I think you mentioned yeah, there is like a little mini table going on within this table. So, you know, um, the more teams I get dragged into that, I actually fancy our odds of getting out of it. Just going to be very, very close. Next two games, crazy important. But we are still there or thereabouts. We're not cut adrift or anything, so you never know. It's definitely possible. And it's still in our hands, which is good to know. Yeah, still plenty of games to be played, it has to be said. Bye. We have a transfer window coming up. Maybe we'll touch on that soon. Uh, Watford's form there looks absolutely horrific. It's even worse than ours. So there's a few a few podcasts ago, you said there's always a team that free falls down into the bottom three. Could be mm -hmm. Watford. Might even be Leeds. All right, so Newcastle second bottom, Norwich bottom on 10 points, same as us. Burnley on 11 points, third bottom. And then you've got Watford fourth bottom on 13 points. That'll do for the review of the table. Before we get to final thoughts on that game, Craig, I believe you want to talk about VAR. Yeah, two instances where it went against us. First one is obviously their first goal where Shelby, not Shelby, sorry, where Hayden was down with a potential head injury. Yes, the referee can miss that. Yes, he can make a mistake. Yes, he's only human. So I wouldn't agree him on that type of thing. Not at all. That's what VAR was then brought in for, to get rid of any obvious human errors. But it seems to be the person behind the screen at the VAR centre, they're obviously only human as well. But they get to see it from multiple angles, time and time again, over and over, take as much time as they want, yet they're still making glaring mistakes. How is it even possible? It was such a blatant stoppage of the game that everybody else that I've known bar one, I think it was Jermaine Genus who reported that, yeah, they had every right to continue playing. It wasn't an obvious head injury or anything that just... I don't know. There's just something about it. The, it's great technology being used incorrectly. We've got this power to make the game a lot better, and it's just not working at all to anyone's advantage. Every team has had VAR go against them at some point, and I know I obviously watch a lot more Newcastle games than any other, but it does seem to be we get the brunt of the shit stick when it comes to VAR. And the second point is the contentious penalty decision. 
when uh, Ryan Fraser had the through ball from uh, Murphy, I think it was. Uh, Murphy crossed in from the right-hand side and Fraser looked like he was either going to take a touch and put in or hit it first time. But uh, Alexander Arnold came in and from what I've seen, uh, again, numerous replays I've watched, he takes the player before he gets the ball. And to me, that is a penalty and it's an instant red card as well. But to do that against Liverpool uh, at Anfield, at the cop as well, it's never going to happen. Not for us anyway. We just don't get that rub of the green. Uh, it was just an absolute joke. And I think VAR took maybe 10, 15 seconds for it when the handball we got for a penalty a few weeks ago against Norwich, that took a good, what, two, three, four minutes, and that was so blatant, it was unreal. Uh, there's no consistency with it. And another one as well, I know it wasn't in our game, but the Arsenal-West Ham game, I'd only seen the penalty and the red card on that. That was one of the worst decisions of the season. And it's consistent, it's consistency like that. That's just making the game shit. It's slowing the game down. If it's slowing it down for the right reason, fantastic. Not a problem at all. But when they're just dragging it on and on and on, and then they're just going, oh, right, you're right, referee got it right. It's a load of bollocks. It really is. Again, great technology used the wrong way. Do me bastard head, and it really is. Now, come on now. Get off the fence. Tell us what you really feel. Come on. <laughs> Mark said it best in one of the previous potties. The technology is great. The idea is fine, but the implementation as it stands right now is terrible. All right. Cheers for that, Craig. So final right. thoughts on the game. Uh, for me, I'll start off since you've just been talking. Uh, lots of endeavour from the team. You know, they kept running, kept going. Didn't just They didn't actually just sit back and, and try and defend for 90 minutes. They did actually make a, an effort to get up the pitch when they had the chance. Uh, lots of last-ditch defending. Good saves. Some bad luck. Uh, that seems to haunt us wherever we go. Um, but it still feels a bit like the, all the organisation that Rafa brought into the team over those years that he was here is still kind of shot to shit right now. You know, it, it, the, the, mid, the midfield, I thought at times, had basically gone missing. Um, and that might have been because we were sitting deep and just waiting for the ball to come in. But at other times, it just felt like it was getting completely bypassed. Like our guys were on the wings at too far back too far forward, I don't know what it was, but midfield just seemed to be completely missing at times. And that organisation that Rafa brought into the back line where, you know, you could almost stick a ruler across the screen and you know that the back four or five, whatever it would be, would be like almost a perfect straight line. That still seems to be kind of all over the place a little bit at the minute. And I think it's going to take Howe and his team a bit longer to drill that back line uh, and even the, the line in front of them from the midfield. Remain dogged in their minds, make sure they get back when they need to get back, go forward when they can go forward, but make sure they get back, maintain those lines, keep the formation, and, um, you know, if people get around you then, fair enough. January can't come quick enough for me. Mm -hmm. What do you reckon, Craig? Final thoughts on that game? Result expected, performance better than expected. I think that was a fair judgment. You get very rarely anything from uh, Anfield. So, again, it was a, a free hit, but, yeah, performance, really good. Uh, result expected. Fair enough. Yours was a lot quicker than mine. All right, so that's the review of the Liverpool game, 3-1. Uh, let's now turn to do a quick Man City preview. I suppose we have to temper this with the grown possibility, it seems, that the league will 
endure some kind of suspension. Um, might be just until the new year. Though. I think I, I think I heard that they were discussing and there was support from Premier teams that they may suspend the league uh, up to the third round of the FA Cup in January, which I think is the seventh. I think I read, uh, and this is. A, of course, in response to the, the widespread COVID infections that are kind of ripping through teams in the Premier League right now. There's already been a, any number of games called off. Man United's had two of theirs called off now. This Man City preview will have to bear that in mind. We, we could say that it's going to be an absolute humping, especially given that Man City just did the same thing to Leeds. Leeds are down where we are. Leeds are quite a good team on the day, and Man City absolutely murdered them. Seven out. So, you know, if we get a chance to get some quick signings in that first week of January, who knows? Maybe we might be able to, you know, uh, play out a draw. Um, I wouldn't necessarily expect us to do any better than that. But if it isn't suspended, the league, and we do have to play them next uh, in the next um, few days, then I can see that being easily 4 5 nil to City. It's going to be kind of like an England cricket score. Well, sorry, not an England cricket score, but like a, any competent team cricket score. So I don't know about you, Craig, but I'm kind of hoping that uh, I'm hoping that Rona does us a favour. What's your yeah. um, What's your thoughts on the Man City game and whether or not it's going to get postponed? I do think it'll get postponed. Uh, I think you're right about the dates. Uh, I think seventh, eighth of uh, January or uh, that weekend of anyway. For the games to be pushed back until 50% of all Premier League games have been called off already this weekend. Whether there's more to be done, I suppose we'll find out in the next 24 hours or so. I don't know what the maximum number of games needs to be called off for the week to be scrapped or rescheduled or however you want to put it. But um, I think if enough pressure comes from a lot of the, the bigger teams, your Man United's, your Man City's, your Chelsea's, they turn around and say, look, yep, we want to break in the league. Uh, we've got too much uh, going on with COVID. We can't put out our strongest teams or we don't even have enough players to put out a squad regardless. Let's have a break for X amount of time. And I do think it'll happen. Might not be against Man City this weekend. Uh, might be against Man United the week after. Who knows? But I do think it will happen sooner rather than later. All right. So let's just assume for a moment that it doesn't happen. Uh, we do have to play them this weekend. Do you have anything to add to what I've just said, which basically is a absolute howking? Um, what would your preview, your, what, what are your thoughts if that game goes ahead? Fitness-wise, Man City will be all over us. Because, well, I think they've played a game before, and I think they're just naturally a fitter team. But we've got Steve Bruce to thank for that. I do think if it's going to go one of two ways, they'll either absolutely destroy us, or we'll somehow ground out a draw. Somehow we'll eke out a point. We'll literally have... 10 men behind the ball, pretty much like what we did today, to be honest, and just have um, either Wilson or Allen up front on our, on their own and maybe play a, a high line to stop them from passing in around the box. But Man City or Man City, they can turn it on when they want to. And again, they proved that against Leeds. We have to bear in mind that uh, there'll be no Lewis, most likely. Possibly not even St. Maxi, depending on how bad yeah. his injury is, which doesn't exactly help us very much, does it? It doesn't, but one thing you will get, I know he's not much more he's not as much as an attacking threat, but you'll get more work rate. You could just swap him out for uh, Almiron. Almiron, like you say, he'll chase down anything given the option. Even if he's not going to be much of an attacking threat, but just track back, do what he needs to, because he's got that much more of his game than what uh, Alan has. And like I say, I think Man City don't have too much in the tank. So we'll either have to scrape out a lucky draw or they just don't turn up on the day. All right, so Score? What do you reckon? Head says 3-0 to Man City. 
Hawks is 2-2 two, two draw. 2-2 two, two draw? All right. I'll have a line of what you're smoking. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll cheers to that, Craig. I guess that'll do it for the review of the Liverpool defeats and, if you can call it that, a preview of the, the next game against City. Um, as always, thank you for watching or listening, depending on where you are. We are available on Twitter at TuneUnderPods. Our website is TuneUnder.com. And we are on YouTube and Facebook. Please like, follow, subscribe, and especially give us your comments and questions if you've enjoyed what you've listened to or seen today and for any of those other podcasts that we've produced. And we will see you for the next episode, which may or may not be against Man City at the weekend. Cheers and stay safe. Cheers, mate. Cheers later.